Hello and welcome to Let's Talk, the show that connects families with folks to answer your parenting questions. I'm Amanda Chavez, here with my co-host Liz Schultz for a bonus episode of Let's Talk about COVID vaccine for kids. Our guests today are Dr. Lee Vogel from Mosaic Family Health and Sonia Jensen from the City of Appleton Health Department. They're here to answer questions that families have as they decide whether to vaccinate their kids during the pandemic. Hi, Dr. Vogel. Hi, Sonia. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Good morning. Can you tell us more about your roles in the community? Sure. So I'm Sonia Jensen. I'm currently the interim health officer with the City of Appleton Health Department. I've been in that particular role for seven months. I am also the deputy director with the health department, and I've been with the department for a little more than eight years in Appleton. I'm Lee Vogel, and I'm a family physician. I'm also a geriatrician, but I have served in the capacity as the medical advisor to the Board of Health and to the Appleton um, City Health Department for approximately 30 years. And I'm also an educator and a faculty teacher of family physicians in a residency program at the Mosaic Family Health Clinic, which trains uh, family medicine residents. The health and well-being of our kids is vitally important to all parents, and we're thankful that we've been given the opportunity to talk with families about a health decision facing parents of kids five and older, whether they should get COVID vaccines. It has been really loud and confusing a couple of years, and it can be hard to know who to listen to. So we've tapped the expertise of our guests today to provide you and us with factual information about the vaccines and to answer questions that we and other parents have about this vaccine. Sonia, can you just tell us like, what the current situation is here in our community? Sure. Currently, we are experiencing a sharp increase in the numbers of COVID-19 cases in Appleton and the Fox Valley and across the state of Wisconsin. We were already at a critically high level of disease burden before the arrival of the Omicron variant, which is said to be two to two and a half times more transmissible than even the highly contagious Delta variant. At this time, our healthcare systems are at capacity due to the increase in hospitalizations. I can talk a little bit about that, having been at a meeting that summarized and forecast what we're seeing and about to see in our region relative to healthcare as we adjust and care for people with COVID. We anticipate a, a very steep rise in cases because we're doubling every, every couple of days. We currently have hospitals in our region that are 97.5 to 99% capacity, which means that there's not a lot of room to manage anybody who comes to the emergency room, whether they have COVID-related illness or they have non-COVID illness, such as heart attacks and strokes. And children are part of an ecosystem, part of the community. And in the middle of a pandemic, we try to address every possible measure that we can to help reduce spread to, sort, to, to diminish the effects of, of COVID. I know that the pediatricians reported this morning that in their pediatric clinics, about 25% of the visits are due to COVID. And we know that the hospitalizations are increasing Thanks for sharing that. Kids aren't getting that sick. Why do they need that vaccine? Even though there are a number of cases, I think, that are considered to be mild and not serious, children who get COVID-19 can get very sick and require hospitalization and even die. I know there's been a rise in hospitalization rates in children, especially recently. So we are seeing that in the community and across the country. And I think the important thing to remember with this, too, is, as Dr. Vogel was talking about earlier, 
children are part of that ecosystem, are part of the community. So even if they have mild illness, they can pass it to other maybe susceptible people in their, in their household, in the community, you know, and at school. I thought I'd talk a little bit about, you know, just being really honest, it is a milder illness, and, but, it, but for us to quickly move from a, a virus that actually can cause significant syndromes like multi-inflammatory syndrome, even though rare, or, or myocarditis, the illness itself can cause myocarditis, uh, we need to remember that that's true and not quickly say that it's as, as mild as a common cold, even though that's the, the, the majority of the experiences that children are having. Myocarditis is something that actually occurs more, 30 times more commonly in COVID than it does in a, in a child that got vaccinated. And so the concern about myocarditis cases after vaccination for children is really, should be put into the context of we prevent more cases of myocarditis from COVID by vaccinating children than are caused, and it's an extremely rare situation. I think the other thing about, about some reasons that people are are concerned about not vaccinating, maybe some of the myths that we might want to start talking about, have a lot to do with anywhere from the beginning of the rollout with people's concerns about it was a rushed vaccine. And I think that, the, that when you go to reliable resources and news media to find out about the various myths such as that, you start one by one dispelling those myths. And I think we're at a point right now where perhaps the greatest myths have been addressed and if you like, we can talk about some of those specifically. Infertility is one of those, particularly people are worried about teens becoming infertile, and there's absolutely no data whatsoever to suggest that that's a problem. We've had people concerned about altering their DNA, and uh, you know, the mRNA is a, is a, it's basically a messenger. It doesn't go inside the cells, and the nucleus of the cells where the DNA is, is, is held in, in our cells in, the, in, the, in our arms where the vaccine is administered. And so it doesn't have an opportunity to change the DNA. It's just instructing the cell to make the, the appropriate sort of antibodies and um, to mount an immune response that would be necessary should somebody later become infected with, a, with the virus. So there's no live virus in these vaccines. Like another concern that we see is that people are worried about vaccines shedding. Is that a possibility with this vaccine? There is no live virus. There's no opportunity to get this, this COVID illness from getting a vaccine. I think that one of the other concerns that people have about vaccine hesitancy has to do with thinking that now that we know that we've been through several variants, including the Delta variant, and we're into the Omicron variant, the concern that, you know, People are getting their natural immunity. It's much more contagious. And once they've had their natural immunity, they therefore don't need a vaccine. Or that people who are vaccinated are actually getting the uh, breakthrough cases and getting ill and or spreading it. And I, I probably talk about, about those things as well, which I think is important. We are seeing people get breakthrough cases. Vaccination immunizations have never intended to address suppress 100% of, of any sort of viral illness. They are meant to, present the to prevent the consequences of that illness. So hospitalization, serious illness, death, and then long-term long chronic health problems as a result of the illness itself. So we never expected it to be 100%. We've seen ranges depending upon the vaccine and depending upon how many 
how many in the series or and now a booster and we'll talk about that booster a little bit too because it's a it's misnamed now but we see ranges between 70 and 85 or 90 percent in children Sonia can tell us a, a little bit about the effectiveness of, of the vaccinations of, against COVID in children. But the point being that there are going to be people that get breakthrough disease. Right now, almost all of the people who are in the hospital that are hospitalized and fighting for their lives or dying have not been vaccinated. And some maybe have been vaccinated but incompletely so and didn't receive a booster. So we're, and we're seeing not only more people with vaccinated get the virus, and people are thinking that having been vaccinated, vaccine, vaccines everywhere, and now we're getting this increase. Some people are associating vaccination with the I increase in spreading it. And what we need to help people understand is that the Omicron variant is milder. It causes about one-third of the hospitalizations that the Delta variant did. So fortunately, in terms of its seriousness, it is decreasing. However, it is spread so to so many people, so many more people have it, that that still, by sheer absolute numbers, is overwhelming our healthcare system. And people are still dying and becoming fairly sick from it. I know that we are talking about how effective it is. So the Pfizer Biotech COVID-19 vaccine, which is the one that is approved for children, it's the only vaccine in the U.S. approved for children at this time, it is over 90% effective at preventing COVID-19. And that's in children ages 5 through 11 years of, old, of age. So the COVID vaccine for kids is a two-shot process, right? So how, if we're in the surge right now, like how effective or how important is it for them to get vaccinated now? Or is it too late? Oh, no, it's, it's never too late to get vaccinated for COVID-19. It is probably even more important right now that if you have not initiated the series children or adults, that you can initiate the series of the COVID-19 vaccination now. And yeah, it is a two-dose. So right now, children age 5 through 11, it is a two-dose, separated by at least three weeks. And now for its newly approved, anybody age 12 and up that's been vaccinated with the two-dose series, it is recommended that within five, it can be at least five months later, that they can get what is called a booster dose of, that vac of the vaccine. And for anybody that is... Under 18, that would be the Pfizer. And if you don't mind uh, a moment to talk about the booster, because that's one of the rationale for people to think that maybe they don't need to get vaccinated or to feel like it's a less effective vaccine or to wonder, are we going to have to get boosters forever kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Just to put into perspective, boosters are, we're thinking that this is actually a three-series vaccination rather than two series with a booster. You know, we're learning about this, this virus as time goes on and as we get more science. And as we get more science, we may adjust whether we talk about uh, more in a, uh, um, doses in a, in a series versus adding a, a booster. But the concept of booster has never led us to think that a vaccine is ineffective in the past. In fact, or, nor have we thought that multiple doses is something unusual. When you think about childhood immunizations, many of them are a series of two, three, and even four or five, mm -hmm. with a booster coming at the age of five, or even our tetanus, you get it, and you get a booster in 10 years or seven years, depending upon the kind. We used to think that the pneumonia vaccine in people who are 65 was going to be a one and done, and now we know that we have to boost every once in a while. This is just science learning more about the practices that we use to help fight 
viral infections. We'll take a quick break and then come back with a couple more questions for you, Dr. Vogel. Sonia, thank you so much. We really appreciate you sharing your information with families in the Fox Valley. If there was anything else you'd want to share or um, a message to families in the Fox Valley before we send you on your way. Sure, it's been my pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I would just like to say getting children or anybody five years and older vaccinated can help protect them from getting COVID-19. It can also help keep them in school and group activities by helping stop the spread of COVID-19 in the community. This bonus episode of Let's Talk is brought to you through a partnership between Wisco Fam, the parent company of Go Valley Kids and Go Oshkosh Kids, and The Building for Kids. The Building for Kids seeks to be a reliable resource of information to promote the well-being of children and their grown-ups throughout our community. The Building for Kids recently received a Communities for Immunity grant in support of their work to promote vaccine confidence. Communities for Immunity is made possible with the funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Institute of Museum and Library Services. For more information, visit communitiesforimmunity.org. Thanks again, Dr. Vogel, for being here with us. One thing we've been talking about or have also heard from parents are questions around, what if your child already had COVID and it was mild? Is it, would you still recommend getting that, that vaccine or is it not needed with those families? So... Uh, having gotten the, the virus and getting sick, whether mild or moderate, people have a natural, reasonable question to say, do I need to get a vaccine if I've been sick? Don't I have a natural immunity? There's a lot of conversation about natural immunity in the community. You know, we learn more about natural immunity for a particular virus, you know, like in the pandemic, as time goes on and we study it, and certainly with this new increase in Omicron and so many more people getting ill, we'll probably know a whole lot more about natural immunity forthcoming. But we don't believe from the science that we've done thus far that you can depend upon natural immunity pr to protect you. It's variable from person to person. It has so many factors that influence your ability to mount the right immune response all the way from did you get too mild of an illness? Did you not get exposed very much? Is your immune system well or not? And it's variable. And so we still recommend getting vaccinated. I, I think as a parent, I have a third grader and a fifth grader. How important are these vac getting kids vaccinated and in the schools, right here even in Appleton or in the Fox Valley, and how that looks different whether kids are vaccinated or not? Those are good questions, and they, and they come from the heart of a parent, right? You're, in the, you're raising your children in the middle of a pandemic with a lot of confusing information, and even where the science changes from day to day or week to week, which doesn't mean it was wrong. It's just we're trying to put it all together. And you've watched from the very beginning of it for a complete shutdown to now where kids are back in school, having been through variations of home without education to home and virtual to blended, to, you know, in school with mandatory masking or maybe not mandatory masking. And, you know, it's been a hard time. And you're wondering about the effects of masks on your kids. You're wondering about the effects of vaccines on your kids. And I, I think through all of this, the best thing for children is to be in school. There's a lot that's resulted from the pandemic that's been harmful to children. And I could say that probably the least harmful thing we can do to children during the pandemic is vaccinate them. Vaccination is the key to keeping kids in school. It's probably the key to keeping kids in school 
without mask without masking as much. Once our workforce is affected by Omicron or any other new variant that we don't know about, that workforce has teachers, parents, healthcare, and it's really hard for teachers and the staff at a school to keep up with things if we don't have an you know, a critical number of children and staff vaccinated. So I think it's really important for your children. So thinking about the newness of the vaccines, is there, like, was it rushed? The process rushed through? Or how were we able to get it so quickly when we're not able to have quick vaccines for other? That's a good question. I think one of the things is that the technology for the mRNA vaccines has actually been around for decades and has been used to create a variety of medications. And in fact, manufacturers were looking at using that technology for the next round of influenza vaccines. So the technology was there. Then when it comes to the studies, when you think about studying medications and the various phases of trials, just to make this sort of simple, Oftentimes, we're studying medications or vaccinations for illnesses that are not as common, or even if they're more common, they're not as common as what has been happening in the pandemic. So when you look to, to design research and get what we call cohorts of subjects, human subjects, people who are going to be vaccinated and control groups of people who aren't going to be vaccinated, you need a certain number of people to make that an effective study. And when you've got a rampant virus in a pandemic, you're suddenly you can build those groups and get enough people so that you've got 40, 50,000 people in a study in a short period of time where it might have taken a longer period of time. So there's a combination of things. No corners were cut. And, you know, emergency use was, is a mechanism for getting it out while the FDA is moving it through their their, their review process, but that became a, something that could have launched the manufacturing as opposed to any cutting of corners. I want to just revisit something quickly. You, When we were talking about getting kids vaccinated who mm-hmm. have already had COVID, so we were unlucky enough to catch uh, COVID right before the adult vaccines mm-hmm. became available, and our daughter also got it. So if she is vaccinated and had the has natural immunity too is there a benefit to that to having both some of the early research has demonstrated that some of the best protection and most long-lasting protection may be the combination of natural immunity and vaccination and i can't speak to which which is best to have first but i do think that no matter what, vaccination is a, is a key part of, of your best protection. And kind of attack on to that, as uh, we see more variants come, will the vaccines, does it seem like they'll continue to be effective? That's a great question, and we're still kind of learning, uh, you know, how, how much Omicron is responding to the immunization that's been done prior to that variant taking hold. And we think that one of the reasons that it, that, that it is so mild is not only has it mutated to some degree, but also that we have so many people that are, are vaccinated. So the fact that many people with vaccination are not in the hospital is a key to that. Going forward, it's, it, right now we've got a lot of people speculating and predicting 
and that makes me really worried. I wouldn't be able to say from the science or the patterns or what the epidemiologists say, even the experts, that we could count on not having another variant. We can count on probably having another variant. The question is, will these variants get milder and milder and milder? It's too soon to say. What I think is true, however, is that we all, no matter what, need to learn to live with this virus. But we right now all have a very different idea about what living with a virus is. And I would caution people to not think that living with a virus means treating it like a common cold and not worried about vaccination or not worrying about masking indoors and not worried about, you know, modifying your activities. It's too soon to do that. To me, the most successful living with a virus, living with this virus, is to be vaccinated. Just like we've learned to live with influenza, where we get our annual vaccinations, and that's not to say that this is as harmless as influenza. It's much more so. But you know, living with many of the of the modern illnesses that we can be exposed to means getting vaccinated. Great, thank you. We can agree that there's. We all want to be past this, move past where we're at, and and learn from what, what's going on. Yeah, last and night my <laughs> daughter was really tearful about it. Like, I just need this to be over. I felt like, yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> need it to be over too. We do, we do. It's and we need. It's going to be a, um, a a difficult month, but the more we're vaccinated, the more we can can help each other remind each other that we're in this together, nobody has to shoulder it alone, and looking for the positive inside of it, you know, every silver lining is important, and I, I think one of the silver linings that is here that we are missing because of all of the, the, the turmoil and the myths and the divisiveness in our, in our country is that this vaccination, these vaccines, are actually, you know, they're, they're a miracle of modern science. In any other decade, we would have been claiming that and lining up. I hope we can recapture that because we've done a, a pretty good job of, you know, using science to, to fight this pandemic, and now we just have to use ourselves to accept that science. I really appreciate you being here with us and talking candidly about just being a parent and how hard it is and this just being another hard thing to figure out for some parents whether to vaccinate their children. Is there anything else that you'd like to share or anything that we missed or? I, you know, I just, uh, you, I'm one that honestly believes that it's, it's not just about doctors and experts and government leaders telling people what to do. It's, it's years of science and years of public health but not even that alone. It's really about being neighbors and friends and understanding that there's a common good. And one of the things that I learn from the parents and the children that come to our clinic is that there's a lot of resilience. And, and there's children who speak up to say they're excited about getting vaccinated it means that they're helping their family and I think if we can just recapture that spirit of goodwill it'll help us through the toughest times. Thank you Dr. Vogel for being here with us today and thank you for listening. We hope that this conversation has helped you with the decision making for your family. You can find a transcript and articles to support your family decisions on our website 
through testing, vaccine locations, school district policies, and more on govalleykids.com. Visit govalleykids.com to continue this conversation and find links and resources that we discussed today. And I think the only other thing I wanted to mention was if you're listening and you're a parent and you've been on the fence about getting a vaccine, it's still time for them they could still get vaccinated. It's not too late for parents in the Fox Valley to get vaccinated as well. No, it's not too late for anybody to get vaccinated and, and to get boosted. Uh, and you're sort of wasting your series to begin with, it, the longer you go before you get boosted. And we, de we definitely know that, that that third vaccine is helpful. I guess I would encourage people to talk to their pediatrician or their family physician too. Those are trusting relationships. And if you're still on the fence, you know, you know, it's one thing to listen to somebody talking in a podcast. It's quite another to have that more intimate, honest conversation with your doctor who you trust. This bonus episode of Let's Talk is brought to you through a partnership between Wisco Fam, the parent company of Go Valley Kids and Go Oshkosh Kids, and The Building for Kids. The Building for Kids seeks to be a reliable resource of information to promote the well-being of children and their grown-ups throughout our community. The Building for Kids recently received a Communities for Immunity grant in support of their work to promote vaccine confidence. Communities for Immunity is made possible with the funding from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the Institute of Museum and Library Services. For more information, visit communitiesforimmunity.org.